now. Hi, Sarah. So great to have you on the Travel Leader Podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Rachel. It's very exciting to be here. So I am here with Sarah Masterson from the Olympia Companies, and we have actually met kind of peripherally several years ago and have seen each other in passing through the New England Inns and Resorts Association. And I've always admired you from afar and heard so many wonderful stories and just if there was one word that I hear everybody say is respect. So I feel very honored to have you on the Travel Leader Podcast to talk about what I'm sure is for you an important talk, topic, which is leadership. No, oh, thank you. That's very nice to hear. Um, yes, I, and I, I feel the same. You've done so much for the travel industry and in our space in New England and beyond that it's, it's great to have this opportunity with you. Awesome. So, and oh yeah, I forgot to mention something really important, which is relevant perhaps to our audience, but uh, now we have an e even closer relationship because the Olympia companies man manages my hotel. So we're super excited about that. Um, you know, the, the process still feels very fresh and beginning, but um, I love all the Olympia companies team members I've worked with. So that speaks also to your leadership for sure. It's a great team, um, and I've worked with so many of them for so long, and they actually just feel like extended family now. Um, but I'm, I'm always very proud of the work that they do and how um, each one of them has kind of like grown and evolved in their own ways as well. It's been really nice to see people with us over such an extended period of time. Absolutely. And that actually reminds me of another connection. Coincidentally, the episode that's airing this coming Monday, right before your episode, is with Jeff David. And oh. Jeff David, you used to work yeah. for him years ago. I did. I did. Long time. It was very early in my yeah. career, but that's always a reminder of that they were such a huge industry, but we're actually really tightly woven yeah. and, um, you know, kind of cross find crossover all the time. Yeah. And that was, by the way, just a complete coincidence. Like we met at a conference on a panel we were doing and I told him about that we had partnered with the Olympia companies and he was like, oh, I know Sarah. <laughs> so, <laughs> That was awesome. So uh, let's get started. Um, so what is the red thread that has been kind of persistent throughout your your hospitality career? I, I think for me, it is, um, I've always had people around me, whether they were, you know, not explicit mentors, but people I looked up to, um, people that I just, I had felt like I had good partnership with that I was able to draw from their experience and learn from them um, in, in both overt and then also sort of more subtle ways. I mean, some of my, some of the people I learned the most from were actually people that I didn't always love working for um, because they taught me kind of what I didn't necessarily want my style to be. Yeah. And, um, and that is, in, in a lot of ways, just as important as learning, especially as you're sort of early in your career, what you do want that style to look like. And so I think I was really, really fortunate that I had a really good balance of some excellent mentors, some people who really pushed me 
um, outside my comfort zone and had a lot more confidence in me than I necessarily did at the time. And then I had also had worked for some people that I learned a lot from because their style didn't resonate with me. Um, and there was something about it. So I just, I think I always had, I was surrounded and I, I continue to this day to be surrounded by people that I learn from. Um, yeah. And I think that that's such an important part of growth, not only functional growth and sort of understanding the nuts and bolts of the business that we're in, but really in, in leading people um, and in you know, kind of growing an organization and growing a company um, is to be able to lean into those opportunities of education uh, just by natural interaction, sort of natural dialogue and, mm -hmm. and being aware of who it is that you're around and what's, what resonates and what isn't. But I've always had people I could look to to sort of bounce ideas off of um, and model for me um, yeah. both the, the good, the bad, and the indifferent, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's kind of coming up for me is that, I mean, clearly you're someone who values learning, um, mm -hmm. but also that you're kind of constantly observing and, you know, watching what's happening around you to feed into that learning process. And that's really served you well. It has. I think I'm probably um, sometimes I'm one of the quieter ones at the table um, until I have something to say, but I, I am, I'm really trying to take in what's going on around me sort of as the primary goal for me initially, and then um, add, you know, cont contributor, you know, add to the dialogue when it, when it's meaningful. Um, but, but my first objective is always really to sort of learn the dynamics, the personalities, mm. the objectives, and sort of what just defines success for other people is really important to me because it's hard to, it's hard to build a relationship with somebody or, you know, goal set or um, even lead until you understand the sort of dynamics of that individual. Um, yeah. So that's really kind of how I've built my career is kind of observing first is what I try mm -hmm. to do and reacting kind of or engaging second. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth because I was going to say that it it must be that building relationships is really important to you in that process. And um, yeah, another word that comes to mind is like thoughtfulness and really being deliberate about those relationships and, and how you behave in those relationships. Yeah, I mean, I think it has served me well. Um, I think, you know, we in our organization have a lot of very tenured individuals and um, that is in part because of, it's in large part because of the culture of our organization, which really is a very high touch organization, both for our clients as well as for our associates. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly not the definer of that, that culture, that, that is part of the organizational culture, but I'm very comfortable um, living and breathing and leading in that culture. Um, and so it's, oh, it's been a very good fit um, yeah. over the, you know, my tenure with the, with the organization. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the impact that you want to have on the hospitality industry? So I think there's a few things. I feel like the hospitality industry is at a little bit of an inflection point right now, particularly coming out of COVID, um, where a lot of the line level positions were sort of upended very quickly, you know, very early in the pandemic. It's been very difficult to get people back into the industry because it doesn't 
that hasn't always had that sense of stability that perhaps other industries have. Um, I also think that the industry, um, we don't have the best reputation out there in terms of an opportunity to really build a career, to really make a difference for people, to really um, have an impact. And I actually think it's one of the most exciting industries in that regard that mm. you stand in a room full of hospitality, you know, senior level people, organizational leaders, and you say, how many of you started as a room attendant or a dishwasher? Probably 85 to 90% of the hands in that room will go up because it's an organ, it's, it's an industry that allows you to really build your career based on experience and to actually move fairly quickly um, with commitment. Yeah. But we haven't built a great reputation for that. We haven't built a great reputation around sort of that sense of work-life balance, um, which is mm -hmm. not a word that I particularly like, but it's a word that's still used. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that that is part of like, I would love for that to, to see some of that change in our industry to see marketing actually happen around how you can build a wonderful career in this business, how you can travel, yeah. you can meet all different types of people, you can touch so many different facets of an organization and a business, and that there's constant learning opportunity. The other thing that personally is important to me is I'd like to see more women grow um, into senior level and executive level positions in our industry. Um, again, it's sort of, if you look at the line level demographic of our associates, there are a lot of women, um, strong, capable, smart women um, who are in that. But then as you kind of go up the ranks um, across an organization, you know, the number of women who are sitting in those roles really comes, starts to peter off very quickly. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But um, I think yeah. women make fantastic leaders in our, in our industry. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree 100%. Um, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you really, you know, it's really important for you to demonstrate to people that the opportunities that there are in the industry and kind of, you know, really bring people along and, open doors, especially for mm -hmm. women, but for anyone that works for you to, to make that next step in, in growth and, and position. It is. People did that for me. Um, you know, some of the best opportunities I had were actually the opportunities that maybe I wasn't quite ready for. If you looked at me sort of on paper. Um, and I think we have to be willing to take chances on in believing in people um, and what their capacity is and their bandwidth is and allow them, we need to create space for them to grow into roles. Um, and so that's, that's important to me. And I think that speaks again to sort of, you know, the tenure in our organization is, is significant because we have opened doors and created opportunity and given people space to sort of be their best and do what they do best. Nobody is 100%, you know, we're not all terrific at everything, but our industry needs people who are good at a lot of different things. And so yeah. there are, there is space um, for people to really explore what fits best for them and then to grow into a career um, in yeah. the hospitality space. There was a point I, I want to pick up on because it's so important. And it was something I was just at the women leading travel and hospitality summit in Nashville, Tennessee. And um, one of the thing I, things I experienced is that my sense is that sometimes, especially women can be hesitant 
to take that next step because of what you just said about not feeling ready for it. And you mentioned the word taking, like the words, taking the risk. And that is like, that is such an important piece of this puzzle. What would you say to a woman who is, you know, making these steps in her career and is afraid to make that next one because it seems risky? What would you say to her? There's so many cliches that you can say about taking risk, right? But that I, I think that um, one of the great things about our industry is that there is always something to fall back to. And so there's risk is actually when you sort of look at asymmetrical risk, what is a risk? Your risk tolerance in our space can actually be pretty high because if something doesn't work, if you say you take the next step and you decide, I'm not comfortable in this role, this role, I'm not feeling successful in this role. There's always an opportunity to go back um, to what you were. So the so risk is actually a little bit of a misnomer in our space sometimes mm-hmm. because there are so many opportunities in the hospitality uh, industry. But I think in general, I do believe that, you know, great reward comes from taking risk and that risk is actually, it's not usually a, an issue of risk. It's usually an issue of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so trusting in what other people see in you, that people are willing to give you opportunity, that you are interested in opportunity, it's probably not actually much of a risk. It's probably about, do I have the confidence in myself? One, to be uncomfortable for a while because it's going to be hard. It mm-hmm. could be hard. Um, but then two, that I'm, I'm going to figure it out because I have the skill set. I have the knowledge. I have the team around me to help me be successful. And so I think it's sort of, it's actually about, for me, probably changing that word risk to to confidence a lot uh, for for women who are looking for the the next steps. Yeah, hundred percent. That's, I I think that's spot on. And uh, I'm going to share this recording with a bunch of people because, um, you know, I think this will be, you know, I mean, for me, it's a, it's a learning as well, but, you know, for our listeners, I think there's a lot of value in what you just said for sure on that point. So how would someone describe you that's close to you um, as a leader? Um, I think that the, I think that they would use a couple of words. One is I think they would use thoughtful because I really do try to um, take in input from others. Uh, I don't assume that the what I'm thinking is true or correct. Um, it's just what I'm thinking. And so I try to take in input from others um, through decision-making process or, um, you know, when I contemplate what, what our next growth steps are. I, I think they'd also, one of the things that's really important to me is, is transparency in leadership. Um, mm. There, I, I think being open and honest when things are good and then also when things are challenging is really fundamental to building trust in relationships and you really can't lead without trust. And so I'm all, I, it's really important to me that my team always feels like they, they know what I know. I don't have, I'm not hiding anything. There isn't anything um, kind of coming out from behind the corners that is going to surprise anybody. Um, I really believe that transparency leads to trust and trust is absolutely fundamental to building relationships that allow people to feel like they have a strong leader. 
Um, and so I, I think those two things, I, I hope, uh, would be yeah. the things that they would um, think about first. I, I also think um, I'm very human. Um, we, you know, one of the things that I actually, you know, COVID came with a lot of challenges, but it came with some good things too. Um, we started uh, for our management company. We do stand-ups all the time in the hotel, but for the management company, we started doing an, a stand-up every morning because people were working remotely and just really wanted to see everybody every day. And through that process, we got to know everybody's kids and their pets, including goats and pigs. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it awesome. really just... It was great. Um, and I think what it really allowed us to do was forge these relationships that are outside the sort of corporate walls, if you will, and that we're all we're all people. Um, we yeah. have lives and families or children or um, and so I think I take a very human approach to leadership um, where I understand yeah. that you're a blend of a lot of different things and, and work is just one of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh yeah, I mean the the key words I'm hearing are inclusivity, transparency, trust and humanity. Love it. That's great. Uh so this is kind of a deep question, but what makes mm -hmm. your life and work meaningful? It's uh it's relationships. Um, it's about getting to, to know people from the time I started in the hospitality business, getting to know guests, getting to know my colleagues. Um, and then really, as I've, you know, been in different roles or different environments, it's really been about forging relationships, um, that are meaningful and impactful. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's true in my personal life and it's true in my professional life, um, that those are really critical kind of pillars to my satisfaction uh, in general. I'm, I'm actually a really introverted person. And so I'm not, you know, I'm not out there at tons of conferences and stuff like that, because for me, the, what I really get a lot of satisfaction is um, the, the relationships I'm able to form um, in, a, in a kind of and a, like deep, the one -on -one. In a meaningful way. Yeah. In the more one-on-one. Yeah. -on -one. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, can you sit, can you paint us a little bit of a picture and give us an, give an example of, you know, how you've created those meaningful relationships? Is there a certain story that stands out? Um, um I'd have to think about that for a minute. If I could think of a a specific story. Um, I think though that over time, you know, I, I think it's a lot of, of patience and dialogue and, and communication and, um, you know, giving people in the, in the, in the, you know, my professional world, giving people honest feedback, um, mm. but giving it in such a way that it gives them a path to success, Right. So if you're going, you're sharing feedback that may be constructive and maybe doesn't feel great in that moment, but I always sort of frame those, and it's not exactly an answer to your question, but I always frame those questions, those dialogues with, I want to talk about this because I care about you yeah. and I care about yeah. your success. And so if I didn't, we probably wouldn't have the conversation, but here's what I'm observing. And the here I think is your path forward. Um, and I think that type of approach also instills trust um, in, yeah. you know, 
in, in and forges some of those deeper relationships that we've worked together for a really for a long time now. Yeah. No, um, that's that's actually that's been a theme I've heard come out of some of the conversations with other leaders that you know, building relationships and caring about your team members isn't just about blowing smoke. You know, it's not just about, you yeah. know, like, you know, saying all the good things, sugarcoating it. It's, it's also about being real with people and authentic. And sometimes that means also telling them something they may not want to hear, but doing it in a way that's coming from a, a place of good intention and caring, like you said. Yeah, and I think if I had a story to tell, it would be, you know, we had a, a vendor partner that we worked with for a while, um, and she was somebody that was doing, you know, various types of work for us, and um, for for one reason or another, like, the, the fit just wasn't there anymore. Organizationally, we had changed, her focus and her goals had changed, um, and so we decided to part ways in terms of our business and professional relationship, but she's still a really good friend of mine. Um, she's still somebody that when I'm, you know, traveling to that area, I, I make it, uh, you know, a point to see. And so I think those are um, examples of how you can use the sort of professional environment um, to, you know, that those relationships become deep enough that when I go home to Cape Cod, like, I always make it a point to look her up because um, she's still a, a friend, if not a colleague yeah. anymore. That's such a, a great example. It's like a litmus test, right? Like mm, if yeah. this relationship can withstand conflicts, like uncomfortable, an uncomfortable situation, that's the sign of a, like a really good, meaningful relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yep. That's awesome. So when is a time that you have underestimated yourself? Um, well, I think, you know, I think that there's a, a, a real benefit to some humility in leadership. And so I, I never, I, I try not to overestimate. I try not to, um, and I, I think I try to remember that what I think is just what I think. And it may be true. It may not be true. Um, you know, to kind of question it con consciously. And so it, it's, it's a, I wouldn't say underestimating myself as a theme. I think just not overestimating myself as a theme in my career. But early in my career, I, I accepted a role as a, um, an asset manager for two distressed properties um, in the southern part of the United States. And it was a, it was a job that I really had never done before. Um, I had been an assistant general manager of a hotel, and this is, again, this is an example where someone who had really been a mentor to me had moved on to another role um, and sort of tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, do you want to, do you want to come and do this? Do you want to yeah. learn the asset management side of it? And, um, and I remember at the time, I thought, I have no idea what is involved in that, what, what that looks like, what those you know, interpersonal dynamics look like. And so I was very hesitant to take the position um, because I think because of the fear, the risk that it was, right? right. I was going to be doing something totally different, but it really did for me, it was about confidence. Uh, ultimately, I took the job and I found that in that role, they're distressed assets. You know, so they're clearly stressed out staff. They don't have enough cash. Yeah. They don't have the resources they need. But um what I had really underestimated in myself was that I was able to make a difference 
for those individuals because they felt like they had somebody that was going to hear them, that was going to empathize with them. Um, and that helped them sort of raise their own standard because they felt like they were part of something. Um, they felt like they had their jobs had some meaning again beyond, you know, kind of the bottom line. And just, you know, there were a lot of different factors, but but a large part of it was the investment the associates were willing to make back into their roles and into the property helped bring the property, sort of these two properties out of where their financial positions were. There was one element of it, it wasn't all of it, but it was, um, I, I take a particular point of pride in that we did not have a lot of turnover at that point. The department heads that were there when I was, when I arrived were there when I left. Um, and That's that amazing. would have, could have been a very volatile situation. And I, I, I think I, I didn't, um, I underestimated the impact that a person can have or I could have on their ability to really want to succeed and really want to invest a little more time, a little more effort, a little more creative energy into how to get the properties out of the, out of the situation they were yeah. in. Yeah. What I'm learning from that, that example too, is that, you know, you may not have all the the boxes checked for a specific situation, but you may have all these other assets that mm -hmm. are in your toolbox that are going to be really useful for making a difference. And I think we, I think, I think that's really common. I think we forget the things that we, you know, the experience that we carry with us from one situation to a next. And even though it's not an exact match, that might actually be a good thing that we have something different to offer. I mean, you can learn how to be an asset manager. Not everybody mm -hmm. can learn how to really like be, have good relationships with people and care about them. So that's, that's a well great example. And just appreciate how far that goes, like how meaningful mm -hmm. that actually is. It's not all of running a business, but it's a pretty big part of, yeah. um, you know, stability is important for people. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what's an event that, in, that has shaped you as a leader? So I, I hate to sound cliche about it because I think everybody would probably say the pandemic shaped them as a leader. Um, and there have been certainly a lot of sort of more micro events that have defined my leadership style. But what I think the pandemic did is it sort of um, distilled a lot of what I have learned, had learned over the course of my career, particularly in, in managing sort of managing the humanity element. Mm, um, yep. And I was able to draw on sort of so many experiences to help us navigate what that looked like from both a sort of blocking and tackling perspective. This is the stuff we have to do. And we operate in a lot of states and a lot of municipalities and every single one of them was completely different. And so we really needed to bring together a lot of information but what was um, what I think really crystallized for me over that time period was again sort of that how do you lead people? We can we can create checklists for people all day long. We can tell people this is what you have to do if you 
um, you know, to, to keep your business operating. But for me, it really crystallized, I think, um, I think actually confidence in my own leadership style and my own leadership approach. I think that is what it gave me was to sort of be able to say, you know what, like I'm, uh, I am, I am okay not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring because I have trust in myself and confidence in myself and my team that we will figure out whatever the next day is going to bring to us because I know it's going to be different than today. Um, And I, I think that that was so for, from, you know, from this point forward, from that really that point forward, I became a lot more open to, well, let's try this. Let's see if this works, right? I don't have to have the answer today. We don't have to know, but we, we, we are confident enough that we can try. Um, yeah. So I, I think I will look back on my career as that really being a very crystallizing experience is to just defining um, kind of who I am as a leader and then also my own confidence, which is always, you know, for all of us, it, it changes it more so over time. But um, I had as challenging as that time period was, I came out of it um, with a lot as well. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, and I think a lot of people did. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it really put, you know, the, the, our leadership capabilities under the microscope and like, really, like you said, crystallized, you know, defined really what was important, um, to, Mm -hmm. to execute in those moments, um, of immense disruption to our industry, (laughs) to say the least. Yeah, and we even talked have talked about that in sort of our leadership meetings around there was a lot of really hard things that came from that, but there were also some good things. Yeah. So if you were able to have dinner with your kids more often at home, if you right. picked up a new hobby over that time, if you, you know, went to more, um, did more hiking or, or, you know, got more creative, like hold on to those things. And so I think that's then the other piece for me is just is being able to to hold on to some of those things yeah. that were good because not everything was I mean it was yeah, a very difficult absolutely. time but there was some good that came from it too for people yeah no doubt no doubt so what late leadership competencies do you think will be need in the next period of change so I think. Um, I think the next accelerated period of change is going to be all technology driven. That's just my own. I mean, that's my own crystal ball. I don't think it's a, you know, a particularly compelling crystal ball, but I think that's where it's going to be from. And I think that what's going to, our industry has been always pretty slow um, in terms of, you know, kind of technology uptick. And I think some of that's because, because we're trying to balance it with what hospitality is and hospitality is a lot about people engagement but I, I do think we're going to have to, as an industry, get to a place where we allow technology, we, we, we implement technology to allow guests to engage with our property in the way that works best for them. So it doesn't mean that you stop checking people in at the front desk with a person and it's always just a kiosk. But if there's someone who's on a conference call and just wants to be able to go right to their room without having to stop and engage, that person can be satisfied just as much as the person who's there for a leisure vacation. and want to know everything about the area. So I I think that what leadership is going to be needed is um, a couple of things. One is we have to continue to be comfortable with change. Um, It's hard 
And it kind of, you know, some of these elements of technology sort of throw in the face of historic or traditional hospitality. I also think we have to be able to, you know, it's accelerating so rapidly um, that we have to be able to parse what is sticky and what is sort of a fad. What is going to be around for a while and how do we deploy that in such a way that it's meaningful for our guests and it's not just checking a box um, and making sure that it's not so right now, a lot of technology sort of exists in silos. And so it ends up feeling very disparate. And, and, and how do we sort of read between the lines and look forward, look around the corner a little bit to see how to pull this stuff together in a way that's meaningful for the guest experience and for the associate experience. I see a lot of folks kind of we roll out new technology because it's new and it's fresh and we want to be cutting edge, but we don't want to be bleeding edge. Um, and I think no. that sometimes we make that mistake um, yeah. uh, for the sake of having something new and flashy, but we, we it's this balance I think is going to come from being comfortable with change, but also thoughtful about change that's meaningful and not simply for the sake of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the other thing you mentioned too, at the beginning um, that I liked was really being flexible, you know, to, Mm. to what the needs are of guests, Um, you know, almost in a, in a sort of personalization way, Mm. um, which I think that that's a really important one for sure. So speaking of edge, what is your leadership edge? <laughs> um, I think it's just the stuff that we've really talked about that I, um, I think my leadership edge is that I, I understand that we are a business that is based on people and for people, by people, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Um, and I regardless of sort of where I am in the organization, I try very hard not to lose sight of that. Um, And I do think that, you know, even as we talk about things like um, technology or, you know, ESG investment or sort of all of these other things that are baked around the periphery of our industry, at the end of the day, um, we really do still want it to be about experience and the human experience. Um, And that takes people and we are servicing people and, and those, what is important and what um, drives associate performance or guest engagement is going to continue to change and evolve with time. And we need to recognize that change and evolve. Like we're, you know, evolution, we, we can't be stuck in a box, but at the end of the day, um, it is still about people uh, and bringing out the best in people, whether they're traveling on vacation, they're with their families, or there are team members who are working in our hotels and in restaurants every day. Yeah, um, and I think that that recognition will continue to support my uh, leadership style uh, for the foreseeable yeah. future. Yeah, and it's it's really like you know you re- in the in you know what really matters in in life mm-hmm. and in in work, what's really most important. Because the the rest is all just details, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's very true. Very true. Yeah, good way of putting it. How do you want to be remembered? Professionally, um, I, I want to be remembered as someone who is sympathetic and empathetic, and allowed people to 
be their best selves. Um, that didn't try to put people into a box because that was um, sort of what the job description said or what the experience was supposed to be, but that gave people space um, to really accelerate in a way that is, is best for them. And that organizationally, I've been able to put those pieces together um, to build an organization that's sort of that's balanced and whole um, and, you know, kind of a great, a great sum of all of the parts. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, uh, yeah, that's very much in line with the whole conversation we've had, of course, for sure. So if, what vision would you pursue if you had everything you needed right now? What vision in, um, you could help clarify vision in terms of any vision, you know, for the future, for yourself, for your company, it, it's very broad. Um, so professionally, I'd like for our organization to continue to grow. One of the things that I think about the most is how we retain our DNA as a high touch organization um, and continue to expand our footprint geographically, um, as well as just the number of properties that we support. Mm. So, it, and I think that we are building, you know, we're still built, we are building the, the blocks that we need and putting the pieces together to make sure that organizationally we're scalable. Um, just because we add properties doesn't mean I can add limitless number of, of human resources right. to our, the organization. Um, and so how do we make sure that we're scalable, but that we don't lose sort of our, our DNA, uh, kind of one of our most defining characteristics, which is we're really a high touch organization and we want you to know who we are. Um, and we yeah. want us, we want to be accessible and available to you. So I think it, that um, if I had everything in place right now, we would be able to grow sort of exponentially, but it's, you know, we have to be sort of patient with the process. Um, yeah. And we're doing that over time. Um, you know, personally, I actually I have a lot of hobbies that I like to pursue and um, I like to find the time and the space to do those. And actually, right well, this afternoon, I'm driving down to Boston and I'm taking a street photography class from a really well-known oh. New York photographer. Um, and so I, I think one of the things even that came out of COVID for me is that I have to find the time for these things, these sort of personal projects, because they're really fulfilling for me. Um, and frankly, they change the way I just see things, right? I, I mean, you're looking at the world through uh, walking down the street lens versus you're holding a camera in your hand. You, you do learn to engage with spaces yeah. differently. Um, and so I bring all of that back to the workspace as well. But I have some of those personal projects um, that I am you know, kind of constantly pursuing as well. That's awesome. And sounds like creating some space to express your creativity. Yeah. 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 I think that's important that people have that, that opportunity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Is there anything else that you would like to share about yourself or your company? Um, I think if, if I had anything additional to share, it'd be sort of reinforce one of those earlier points, which is we are in a great place in our industry. We have come out of some very difficult years. Um, but what we've learned from those years in particular is that travel is really meaningful and really important to people. 
um, and that there is there's just tremendous desire to experience. And that desire to experience requires that we have great professionals in the business um, to, to help people explore and help people find kind of their best selves in the in the, tra the travel experience, whether it's because they're traveling with their families or for leisure or professionally. Um, and so I, you know, I, I hope that there continues to be opportunity for people to explore our industry as a really tremendous professional opportunity. There's a lot of growth. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, experience that can be had. And um, our organization is always looking for great and talented team members. Um, and I know pretty much every hospitality organization across the board is doing the same. So um, I just sort of probably reinforce that point that we're, it's a really great time to be in this business. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree for sure. For sure. And on the travel piece, it's, it's like, you never really know what you had until you lose it. Right. And we certainly yeah. learned what, what, what we had lost. Um, and now we're back and thriving and, uh, yeah, just get out there and travel, be part of it. Well, thank That's you great. so much, Sarah. I really enjoyed speaking with you today and this has been the travel leader podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel.